Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast, brought to you by HarperCollins Publishers. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love You're listening to the first episode of Musings from 195. So the Library Love Fest team wants to sit around and just catch up with everybody and talk about books we're excited about. And we have a very special librarian friend at the end calling in. So we're going to get started. Hello. Hey, it's Virginia Stanley. How are you? Um, Yep, so this is, uh, we're calling this Musings from 195 because we are located at 195 Broadway and lower Manhattan and um, so we're going to talk about lots of different things uh, books that we're reading books that we're loving and um, we will occasionally read from a book that we love and that's what I'm going to do right now so the book that I love right now and the writing which is blowing my brains out is Freefall by Jessica Barry um, so this book is coming out in January thank you Christopher um what I do without Christopher and Lainey? <laughs> I'd be at this podcast all by myself going, how do you turn this machine <laughs> um, But this is uh, January 8th. It's going on sale. And this is um, this is a debut novel, as I said, by Jessica Barry. And it's about, at the core of this story uh, is a mother and a daughter and how they have gone their separate ways um, and how they are trying to find their way back to each other. So the book is really everything that happens in between. But the beginning of the book is so amazing because it starts out with um, a private plane that has crashed in the Colorado Rockies. Allison Carpenter is the the survivor, sole survivor of this crash. Um, And so I'm just going to read this. Writing is so beautiful, I think. But I just want to read just a couple of um, paragraphs from the opening, uh, the opening chapter. Here we go. So this is Allison. The plane has just crashed. First sentence of this book. Breathe, breathe. My eyes open. A canopy of trees above. A flock of birds stared down before taking flight. I survived. He might have too. I have to see. I pick my way through the wreckage on bare feet. Where are my shoes? It doesn't matter. Bits of twisted metal everywhere. One of the wings lodged in the V of a nearby tree. A roll of toilet paper draped across the branches. The cabin is a tin can sliced open, exposing two rows of cream leather seats. I take a step closer and peer inside. He is there, chest slumped over the controls. Hello? My voice is startling in my ears. Can you hear me? Silence. The engine hisses. The gasoline ticks into the grass. I love that line. The gasoline ticks into the grass. Okay. Into the cabin. Avoid the jagged rim. He is still holding the transmitter, the radio transmitter in his hand. The cable severed. I nudge him gently. His body falls against the side of the cabin. His face is missing. Out, out, 
I wretch, then sit, focus. Here are the facts. I am alone. I am on a mountain. The plane I was on has crashed. My body is covered in bruises and cuts, and my left leg has a wound that will soon become infected if I don't clean it. My finger is strained or broken and quickly swelling. I have very little food and water. The sun is still high, but it will be dark in a few hours, and my only shelter is a twisted hulk of metal that could, at any minute, explode. I feel sick with fear. I want, very badly, to lie on the bank of grass and let my heavy eyelids close. I wonder what it will be like to die. Will it be like the tilt and drop of sleep? Will there be a light to follow or just the dark? Stop. I don't want to die. What I need is a plan. You have to go on. The voice in my head is urgent and insistent. You have to go. You have to go. You have to go. Stay alive. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's like the comfort of like when you're younger and being read to. Yeah. You're really good at reading. Though. I can read. I know how to I read. I know, but like. Just put all the words, oh, all the letters just together. Mm-hmm. Smooth. Oh, my God. My heartbeat, though. I've read I've read that passage and it's still it's just so it captures the moment so well. Doesn't it's just it? like the like your heart's racing and but you no. have no time for wasted thoughts. There's no wasted words. It's right. just like do what you have to do to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean it perfect. just goes on about like how she's I can really see myself like if God forbid it was any one of us and you're like, What do I do? What do mm-hmm. I grab? She's grabbing her bag, she's trying to figure out what to take with her. I mean, I just think the writing is so, it's so, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful in this horrific situation, and it gets even better from there. So that's the very first um, page and a quarter from Freefall by Jessica Barry, and um, you know, read it because you'll find out what happens to her and and um, and her mother. It's gotten some wonderful reviews. I'm not going to keep going on about it, but God almighty, you got to read this book. Okay. Mm-hmm. Done. <laughs> you want to go? Okay. Uh, so I am going to read a passage from Before She Knew Him by Peter Swanson. Uh, Peter Swanson, he wrote, The Girl with a Clock for a Heart, The Kind Worth Killing, Her Every Fear, and Then All the Beautiful Lies. Um, he's beloved in library land. Um, I think most of his books have made the library reads list. Um, all psychological suspense, they're thrillers. This one is a very cool play on uh, the unreliable narrator. Follows this uh, young woman, Hen, and her husband, who are outside of Boston, Massachusetts, where all of Peter's books take place. Um, and she has bipolar, so you think she's going to be again an unreliable narrator. Uh, and she's kind of obsessed with true crime, and she's convinced that her next door neighbor is a murderer. Um, so I'm going to read a passage that is, kind of details um, Hen's first meeting with her neighbor and what really sets her off and makes her think that this guy is something far more dark and evil. So um, this, and in this scene, uh, Hen and her husband uh, have a dinner date with her next door neighbor and his wife, and they're just meeting. And they're on a tour through the house. Um, So this is Hen kind of narrating. Let's see. There was a fireplace, and Lloyd, who is her husband, um, and Lloyd was asking if it worked, as Hen scanned the objects along the mantel. 
It was an odd assortment, a small brass snake, wooden candlesticks, a miniature portrait of a dog, an illuminated globe, and, in the middle, a trophy, the figure of a fencer in mid-lunge on top of its silver pedestal. For one terrible moment, Hen thought she might faint. Her vision blurred, and her legs felt as though water were rushing through them. Then she gathered herself. It's probably just a coincidence, she said to herself, stepping forward to look at the inscription on the base of the trophy. Third place at B, she read, then, in smaller script. It looked like Junior Olympics, and a date she couldn't make out. She didn't want to get too close to it. She turned and, in what she hoped was a normal voice, asked Matthew, who was her next-door neighbor, Do you fence? God no, he said. I disliked the trophy. I bought it from a yard sale. You okay, Hen? Lloyd asked, looking with alarm at her face. You look kind of pale. Oh, yes, I'm fine. Tired, I think. The two couples congregated again in the front hall to say their goodbyes. Hen could feel the blood moving back into her face. It was just a fencing trophy. There must be thousands of them, she told herself. As she praised the dinner again and thanked them for the tour, all while Lloyd had one hand on the doorknob, trying to escape. Mira, who is the wife of the next-door neighbor, swept in and kissed Hen on the cheek, while Matthew, behind her, smiled and said goodbye. She might have been imagining it, but Hen thought he seemed to be intently watching her. So, again, this is their first interaction, and this the significance of this fencing trophy is she's obsessed with past crimes, and there was a student who disappeared years prior, uh, and one of the details of the crime was there was a fencing trophy missing, and that's detailed in the police report. Um, so she immediately begins to suspect this next door neighbor. Um, I love this novel because it's a cat and it's kind of a cat and mouse chase, um, but it turns everything on its head because you know from the beginning that this neighbor is a serial killer. The neighbor knows that she knows. She knows that. He knows that she knows. And then it's how do they play with this knowledge. Um, so it's fantastic. It kind of has like that Dexter quality to it where this neighbor takes it upon himself to kill bad people. <laughs> but he's still very threatening and, and you just don't know how it's going to turn out. So I love this book. I love all of Peter Swanson's stuff. But I think he takes a real big step with this. Um, and it's coming March 5th. So it's up on Edelweiss. So librarian friends, I think you probably already know about this but please do give it a read because i love it love it love it love it nice love it that's was that from the first uh chapter that was yes from the first chapter. yeah and virginia read from the first page and i'm going to read from the first page which we talked about really how it's important um which we were saying like i had a teacher in college or professor that was saying when you read the first sentence or the first page like why did the author pick this particular time in their life to start there like what is the story and why is it important they're not starting way off like what is important here and I think about that every time I read a book I'm just I don't know and so somebody in our department had given the example of um To Kill a Mockingbird where her brother breaks his arm and it's kind of a okay well why are we starting with this story but it means a lot in the end so that's kind of why today we're picking really early passages. Early passages. <laughs> early passages. Ooh, Maybe that's ideas. the name of this section. 
And they're galleys, so it is early passages. Oh, I love this. Okay, f- look how it just comes naturally. It comes, we spent a lot of time thinking about this, so it's good that it's coming now. Early passages at 195. <laughs> <laughs> we just have like 20 words in the... Um, so the book, this is Lainey, and I'm, the book I'm going to talk about, it, I'm very jazzed about this book. It's A Woman is No Man by Etoff Rum, um, and it's Etoff's uh, debut novel, and it's sort of autobiography-ish. It's not a true story, but it's based a lot on her life. She is Palestinian-American, and just not. A, she wasn't represented in bookstores. She said, my story isn't told. I don't think anyone understands the pressures that my family are in. She got married. She was had an arranged marriage. She had a kid very young, and she felt so much pressure. But now she... It, but then she stayed in college a lot to the disdain of her family. And she's a Book of the Month ambassador, and she has all of this stuff. She teaches at college. And, you know, she lost some of her family in this process. And she's like, I think people need to know that, like, I was told as a woman I will never be able to have any of this stuff. So it's really good. It it hammers in, like, in little places in every chapter. Somebody always tells her, well, you're not a man. A woman is not the same, so don't even, like, dream. And I think it does a good job of, like, little things. Like, it's life, you know, sometimes you're told over and over, and it's kind of a systemic problem that you don't know how to fix, and one person's not going to fix it. It's it's great. So this is the passage I'm going to read. It's from the preface. You've never heard this story before. No matter how many books you've read, how many tales you think you know, believe me, no one has ever told a story like this one. Where I come from, we keep these stories to ourselves. To tell them to the outside world is unheard of, dangerous, the ultimate shame. Perhaps you've seen us before. We might even live right beside you. Take a walk in New York City on a sunny afternoon, walk down the length of Manhattan Island until the streets become curved and tangled as they are are in the old world. Go east, over the Brooklyn Bridge, the Manhattan skyline thinning out behind you, skyscrapers like a dusty mirage on the horizon. There will be heavy traffic, a heavy traffic jam on the other side where you might hail a yellow cab, ride it down to Flatbush Avenue, that central artery of South Brooklyn, then go to Third Avenue, where the buildings are smaller, only three, four stories high with old faces. The Verrazano Narrows Bridge hovers on the horizon like a giant gull, wing spread. You'll go south for a while past warehouses, refurbished into chic cafes and trendy oyster bars, and the small family-owned hardware stores that have been there for generations. When the American cafes start to thin out, replaced by signs in foreign tongues, you'll know you're getting close. You'll cross east, two blocks to Fifth Avenue. There you will find Bay Ridge. On our three-square-mile community that overlooks the New York Harbor is a melting pot of Brooklyn. On our streets, you'll find Italians, Greeks, Arabs, Russians, and Chinese speaking their native tongues, keeping their traditions and cultures alive. You can get out here. Go left on the corner of 72nd and 5th. Avenue, where you'll find a mix of bakery shops, hookah bars, and halal meat markets. Then you'll walk down a tree-lined street filled with brownstones until you reach a house no different than any others. Dusty Brown, a green door, number 545. This is where our family lives, but our story does not begin in Bay Ridge. Not really. First, we have to turn back the pages to before I found my voice, before I was even born. We are not yet in the house on 72nd Street, not yet in Brooklyn, not yet in America even. We have yet to board the plane that will carry us from the Middle East to this place, have yet to soar over the Atlantic, have yet to even know that we will one day. The year is 1990, and we are in Palestine back at the beginning. I don't know. 
I just thought it's such a good great. job of setting up where they live. And yeah. also, they're just kind of hidden in plain sight. The family, it follows three generations of women in this area in Bay Ridge. One came over, so she's the fr- from Palestine. And then one is someone they brought from Palestine to America to marry their son. And then it's her daughter. So the three generations. And it's crazy like they don't even leave the house without somebody else they've never she's never even been in Manhattan she doesn't know where that is she can't read like speak the language and so I don't know windows play a big part in it she looks out she loves to read she doesn't get to see the world and she's just scared Hmm. and doesn't understand and there's a lot of pressure to have a, a son so she's she's young and she's having these kids and she doesn't even know what to do herself and she feels inadequate because everyone tells her she's inadequate it's just it's a culture I know not I don't know much about and I I still think about these characters like wow. weeks later. That says everything that yeah. with that they've stayed with you. Yeah. And I'm really excited for people like hopefully she said that she you're going to go into a bookstore and someone's going to be able to see themselves in this book and I think that's really important. Mm. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm, what's, I'm excited. What's pub date? It comes out in um sorry, March. Beautiful. Yeah. So A woman is no man. Be tough from. Perfect. And she's on Instagram at Books and Beans. I think she has a really big following yeah. there. I've checked it out. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful, yeah. It is, yeah. And she does have tons of yeah. followers on that. I so. think it's something special. So Yeah. That's awesome. Well yeah. I love this. Mm-hmm. I love having mm-hmm. you guys read to me. <laughs> I know. And now we are going to call our librarian friend, so please hold. Jennifer Dayton. Hello. Hello. How is Collins this morning? Hey, Jennifer. How are you? It's Virginia. Hi, Virginia. How are you? Good. Hey, Jennifer. It's Chris. How are you? You already were asked that, actually, so I'm, we're going to edit that. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's okay. Are you still okay? okay. Yeah, you're good. Okay. okay. This is Lainey checking in. Are you okay? I'm still okay. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for... We're good. We're good. We're excited to to have you on our inaugural podcast of Musings from 195. I am just honored that you asked me, so thank you. You're welcome. So uh, this is, uh, is um, Lainey's baby, so I'm going to have Lainey take it away. I should have said this at the beginning, but name, library. Jen Dayton. Darium Library. So we wanted to call up some people, some librarians, and we're thinking, you can tell us what you think, but we're thinking maybe calling it Paige a librarian. I like it. Yeah, you like, I the, like it. <laughs> we like, I like the it. the fun wording. The punish. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Librarian. That's awesome. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. you know, Paige from a book, <laughs> you know. Oh, I got it. I got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good pun. You don't have to explain it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's the best kind of fun. <laughs> So, we wanted to just ask you a few questions. First, we we know you love Real Lolita, the Real Lolita. You know, I, I loved it as much as you can love a book that is this dark and sad and distressing. Um, I, I thought it was, I thought she's a beautiful writer. She tells the story brilliantly. But at its heart, it's really tragic. Poor Sally Horner and, and never really getting her due as um, Nabokov's muse was kind of, you know, very disturbing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awful. 
I'm so, yeah, yeah I, I think we all feel the same way. It's like this is as much a story about, um, you know, her, that story being uh, sort of the inspiration for um, the real Lolita, but, um, I mean, Lolita, but really more um, about, as you say, poor Sally Horner, that child. Yeah. And that's yeah. crazy. And, you know, and, and two years, and people really weren't looking too hard for her, which is kind of disturbing. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it's finally the nosy neighbor in the trailer park that cracks it wide open. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying no. that. Um, but, you know, and then and then when she does get home, things really don't get better for Sally. Yeah. <laughs> they really don't. But it's riveting. The story is riveting. Um, and we've had, um, I've had some family members read it. I've had coworkers read it. And truly, after you close the book, it's all you want to do is talk to um, somebody about it. Mm. Because it, the story is just, it's amazing. It's an amazing story. And the in a way that only a dark and sick and twisted story can be. Is there something that really surprised you about it? Um, what surprised me was, was when she did come home, how the last years of her life, her people around her spent, spent it slut-shaming her. Mm. I, I just, that was so disturbing to me. Mm. She was a child, for God's sake. Exactly. Mm. She was a child who was kidnapped. It right. wasn't her, none of this was her fault. Right. The only thing she's guilty of is peer pressure when she went into the five and dime to shoplift. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, he and, was he was a predator. He was looking yeah, for her. Yeah, he was a yeah. total predator. And you know, and the other thing is, you know, life can turn on a dime and it sure did for poor Sally, you know? Well, if anything what this book does is shine a light on on um on her and uh, give her a name, you know, because I a think... A name and a voice, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, th- I would love for book groups to read the real Lolita and then go back and read Lolita. And mm-hmm. and I defy anyone to say that he did not get his inspiration from the Sally Horner case. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that. That was... Uh, that was very uh, succinct and powerful, as uh, only you can be with uh, reviews like that. And with a book like this, I mean, you know, it is it is so heavy. But Sarah Weinman does such an amazing job, doesn't she? Yeah, no, she does. She does. She's a, she's a great writer. And, and she just lays all the pieces out on the table for you in, in a beautiful way, as, or as beautiful as it can be with the subject matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So... Um, so what are you reading? It doesn't have to be Harper Collins' book, but what are you reading it right now? It is Virginia. It is. Oh, well then do tell. I am loving Dakota Winters. Um, <gasps> Yay. Oh, I love it. Um, I, I just want to meet him in the worst way because I can tell that he's probably my age and we have the same sort of life experiences. Um, it, he is bringing back the New York of the early 80s. I'm almost missing my stops in the morning. That's how much I love this book. Um, he's got, he's got all, the, all the little inside references going on there, um, all the stuff that, you know, as a teenager that I was, whenever I would go into New York, I was doing at the time. And um, it, it's just magical. I, I don't want it to end. Yeah, this is um, this is uh, Tom Barbash um, that, we're, that we're talking about here, and it's uh, it's a book that's uh, set in in uh, the eighties in um, up at the Dakota in New York City in the building. Yep. And um, yep. you know, if you are from that time, or even if you're not, you know, I just think it's 
it just brings you back there. I actually have a galley right in front of me right now, and I, I mean, it's a beautiful picture of the building, but also I, I always talk about the topography that the jacket designer used for this, the typeface that they used for this um, book because it's so 80s. You know, everything about it this is, is so cool. It is so 80s. Um, I, and, and, and he really, he doesn't paint it with a pretty brush. I mean, he talks about, you know, the garbage strike. He talks about, um, you know, the city was really in rough shape at that time. Um, but it still feels like a love letter to me. Um, I, I, I'm adoring it. I'm adoring it. And, I, and I'm fascinated by the idea of both a father and a son being broken and trying to heal each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 it's, it's probably probably going to make my top ten of the year. Wow. Yep. That's, yep. that's fantastic. Um, yep. Yeah. This, that's, that's, that's great to hear. I mean, this book is, and it brings back people, um, like John Lennon, who lived in Dakota, as we know. And, yep. And yep. Ted and Joan Kennedy, and um, you know, just that whole, that's that whole, that whole time frame. Yeah, but in... it doesn't, it doesn't feel like name droppy. No, or, no, you really, you're like, you're just right there with them on the Upper West Side, you know, hanging at the Dakota. Yep, <laughs> as one does, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's really that's, you know, um, looking at. Um, uh, the, to- the cover of the galley, and there's a, a quote from Michael Chabon. He says, "Deft, funny, touching, and sharply observed, a marvel of tone and a skillful, skillful evocation of a dark passage in the history of New York City." Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and I, I would, I would love for someone who wasn't here during this time to read it, and I would love to hear what their take on it is. Mm. Um, it, I, I just, I think he did a beautiful, beautiful job with it. I'm about, I'm about halfway, three quarters of the way through at this oh, point. Wow. Okay. It's hard to tell when you read on a Kindle, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's just gone. keep going until there aren't any more words on screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Um, thank you for that. And yeah, we didn't, you're we, welcome. we really didn't need you to talk about a HarperCollins book, but hey, we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, well, truly, it's what I'm, it's what I'm reading. It's one of the three that I'm reading right now. Um, cause you know, you know, the, the myth of the blow dry book. I have the book I have to read while I blow dry my hair. <laughs> um, and then I have the book that I have to read while I'm eating breakfast. There's always three books going on at once. <laughs> but, um, but this is my commute book and this is the book that is almost making me miss my stops, not only on the way in, but on the way home at night. So. Uh, so great. There you have it. And uh, Jen, you're still doing your video, uh, your five-minute video. Um, oh, yeah, book absolutely. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Let people know about that? Yeah. Um, hi. So um, Marianne Patternetti and I, who Marianne's in charge of book groups. I'm in charge of collection development. Um, we do a little video every month called Five Minutes with Jen, where I talk about the five books that I think book groups should be getting really excited about. And it's a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, it's been proven very popular with people. So, yay. And where can people find that? They can find that on our website um, under books, I think. Yeah, under books, under book groups. And the latest edition of 5 Minutes with Jen is always up. (laughs) So it's DarianLibrary.org? DarianLibrary.org backslash book groups. Okay. So people can go there and uh, check you out. Terrific. And put a face to a name. And we thank you so much for uh, for, uh, participating in our uh, inaugural 
edition of Musings from 195. And we'll see Hon you soon. Honored to be asked, and you know I will do anything for you guys except eat a bug. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, man, that's Stretch next week that on one. <laughs> <laughs> Take good care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Jen. Have a great weekend. You, you too. too. Bye. Bye. I was amazing. What a book talker. So... We'll bring more books that we have just, you know, been captivated by, the writing, the storyline, the characters, and share them with everyone, and, um, and reach out to more librarians who, who, like Jen Dayton at Darien Library, are always uh, willing and happy to share their opinions about books and um, their enthusiasm. So that's a really refreshing thing, I think, too, to have them on this podcast yeah. so. or if there's an excerpt that you really like you can send to us maybe we could read that sure mm -hmm. that would be fun too it's throw the spaghetti on the wall <laughs> also every time we get together it's gonna this podcast is gonna have a different name <laughs> this is musings from 195 signing off and next time it'll be throw the spaghetti at the wall formerly known as formerly, formerly known, known as, as formerly known as <laughs> Do we want to? <laughs> so as of today, this has been <laughs> Musings from 195 with Virginia, Chris, and Laney. See you next time. Bye. See ya.